have been having. So if you haven't seen part one, make sure you go back and watch that one. And we will get started right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. All right, I've got Dr. Bill with me, and we've been having an awesome conversation. So, again, if you didn't catch part one, go back and look at that. Some really good information there about becoming aware and just understanding your identity in that awareness process. So, Dr. Bill, uh, before we ended uh, part one, I'd shared a little bit about Luke ten nineteen, where Jesus says, I've given you all power and authority over the enemy. Now, for me, Dr. Bill, that has been the freeing verse where basically I've said, well, okay, if that's true, then any darkness or entity, evil, whatever, that has any authority or power in my life, it's because I gave it. So that has really helped me to understand. It's like, wait a minute, none of this has to be happening. I can just push back and say no. But you have a different take on the whole thing. I'd like to hear how you look at that verse. When I look at Luke 10, 19, the first thing I do is look at the first few words. It says, I give you the authority. Uh, the, The Passion Translation says, now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority. And so... It's consistent. So I look for consistency in translations to know that what we're talking about is not something that will happen, but something that has happened because Mm -hmm. Jesus was talking to his disciples. And again, all who follow him are in a sense disciples, but it's even bigger than that. Now, after the cross, we actually are raised up and seated together or as one uh, one, a many membered body of one expression of the father. But one of the things that I like to look at here, uh, and this is one of my favorite scriptures for years. I've, I've taught on Luke ten nineteen. He says, I give you authority. Uh, when you look at the King James and you see what, uh, the older translators translated from the original language, they used the word power. So it would read, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Now, we know that power and power there are not the same words. One of them is translated authority, as we see in the New King James and the Passion Translation. Uh, but the word for the second word for power, talking about, and of course, when we're talking about treading on serpents and scorpions, whatever those serpents and scorpions are, is, they are under our feet or under our dominion. All right. But then the second word power is actually uh, a word that we could define as ability. So whatever ability these serpents and scorpions have, they're already under our dominion. Now, uh, because we know that even from Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that he has given us a dominion over all things, all the works of his hands. But the word we want to focus on is enemy. Because the first thing we do, we've already got uh, serpents and scorpions. And so we look at serpents and scorpions and we tie that together with enemy. And we say, okay, now there's this evil ent- entity that I've got to learn how to walk on. I mean, I do see that he did give me authority, but now I've got to somehow learn how to walk in that authority. But here's the thing about this enemy. This enemy uh, from the Greek language, and, and again, we have James Strong's from our, our 1800 years after the first century. And he says that it is hateful or to hate or even actively hostile or 
uh, yeah, hostile. Okay, so now he also says especially Satan, but that was the revelation he had. Uh, I teach people to question James Strong's. Uh, there's things that he says are good and are right, but there are things that was just simply based on his level of revelation. You yeah. could go to my uh, YouTube channel. I've got about a thousand videos on there, teaching videos, and I'm sure that if you go back to the very beginning, you will find some things that are not consistent with what I teach sure, today. Sure, sure. All right, so that was my translation or my revelation then. And so one of the things he, it talks about in the biblical usage of the word is that uh, it talks about hating or opposing another. It talks about that it's used of men as an enmity uh, with God by their sin. Now, sin, we know, is the Greek word hamartia, translated as mistaken identity. So if I oppose God, uh, I really am not doing it deliberately or intentionally. I'm doing it because I don't really know who I am. That's mistaken identity. So here, once again, as we talked about in the first session, we have Adam who took on a false identity which was transferred to his children who, uh, and I, it was so amazing when I was teaching my psychology class, I actually got to talk about uh, Cain and Abel and what, what Cain's name meant and how all of that uh, translated into an actual psychological problem, a personality disorder that Cain had that caused him to murder his brother and then feel so insecure that he had to build a city that had a name, was a name unto himself. Then you've got Abraham and you've got all of the, the old, testament uh, uh figures all the way into the new and you see this perverted identity in many of them that said you know what i got this problem with i don't know if god loves me i don't know if god hates me i don't know if god's for me or god's against me why is that because of their mistaken identity when we embrace when we discover and we embrace our god identity then we just walk in who he says i, I love this about life just 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 be Okay, just be, don't strive to be good. Don't strive to be bad. Don't strive to be better than someone else. Don't strive to be like your most favorite preacher or prophet out there. Just be, just be who father created you to be. Yeah. And in the end, everything will turn out right. So, yeah. And I love the end of this verse. He says, if you'll do this, if you just walk in that place that I've already given you, there will be nothing that can hurt you in any way, shape, or form. I love that about my father. He never did create me for anything to dominate me or to have dominion over me, and he didn't create me to be in a place of hurt. So this is all such a, a new way of thinking for so many people, and I really do encourage anybody who's watching this, uh, uh, share it with people. This this kind of stuff, this, this is what's setting people free, and I believe that's what's meant to happen in this next stage that we're stepping into, that we're already, we've already crossed the threshold. So it's like you yes. can get on board or you can hang out where you were. Um, so <laughs> I just believe that, that this that's being shared by Dr. Bill and, you know, Dean and I, we share this too, a little bit different concept, but the end result is, is understanding who you are and that you have mm -hmm. full power and authority over any darkness, no matter how you look at it. And I think, you know, Dr. Bill, you, you've got a really good handle on, you know, what it really is. And part of what we do, my wife and I, I think, is meeting people where they're at, so to speak. And, you know, Christians, we're trying to help Christians cross over and realize, oh, man, God loves you. You really don't need to be dealing with all this garbage that you're dealing with. You can step out of a good portion of it. Will bad things happen to us? You know, I, I, I tend to think, you know, bad things can happen to all people. And now I, let me just go there. 
do because I, I feel like you you have said before maybe I misinterpreted it but I feel like you've said before that you really don't have to have any bad thing ever come to you and it's more about what you think than than what's out there um, care to comment on that yeah so if there is a if I knowingly see a bad thing that is right before my eyes it's outside of me it's not in me outside of me so how i perceive that is really an important point so yeah. if i perceive a disease as destructive and it's going to kill all mankind then i move into a fear-based uh, mindset you internalize I, it yeah exactly mm -hmm. but as long as it's outside of me it has no it has no uh, uh bearing on me it cannot mm -hmm. do anything to me i have to become afraid of that and embrace it as truth before it can actually harm me yeah. So I, I know there are a lot of people out there who probably know people who um, believed that they were immune to the, the you know, the coronavirus and, and all mm -hmm. that. And I even heard one story. I, you know, I don't have any verification of it, but I heard of an evangelist. I think it was in Africa that was speaking out against the coronavirus that he's never going to get it. And he was laying hands on people and, you know, healing people of it. And he died of it. Mm -hmm. So. You know, what what would you say to somebody like that? Would you, that just be a flawed part of their thinking process that they opened up, somehow had an open door for that? A minister told me one time, the one thing that we cannot personally know about another person is what they're truly believing and feeling on the inside. So true. Yeah. Now, um, when I was younger, um, my my on my mom's side there's a history of uh, it's it's a I forget the name of it but it's like Parkinson's disease, and it was hereditary seemingly in our family and I and my mother said these words to me, uh, she said she would probably get it and die from it and I would too. Now I didn't remain silent about that and I wasn't disrespectful but I said not me it will never come to my door because. Uh, and I went through this spiel about uh, about Jesus and, and, and royal blood and all of that. Um, I remember when the, the, the Hong Kong flu or some bird flu or something, swine flu, I think it was, I was getting ready for church one night and I walked from one room to the next room and the television was on and I heard this announcement. This was uh, uh, probably about 2010, 2011. And I heard this announcement that the swine flu had hit the U.S. and instantly from, from within me, it rose up. I didn't even intentionally do it, but I just said, not me, no evil will come near my dwelling. Now, you know, we all have different takes on things, but I just believe this, that the power of belief is the most powerful thing that we have. And if I believe it to be true, it becomes true to me. If I believe that it's not true, then it's not truth to me. I live by, so what you believe to be true is truth to you even if it's wrong even if even if gil hodges doesn't believe it and bill hanshi doesn't believe it if someone believes that it's true it's true to them a another example have i ever seen a demon absolutely 100 back in the day i've seen evil but that's what i believed in and you see what you believe in you know our middle hospitals are filled with people who actually believe so much in evil that they become emotionally unable to deal with that aspect so if you believe in it you're, you can experience that but if you don't believe in it okay you yeah. know we never believed that we were going to have a college of almost 300 students 
Uh, we didn't have any persuasion about that. We started with four students 17 months ago. And it's like, you know, this is your thing, God, because we don't even know how to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the power of belief is strong. So, and then there, there's those that, you know, like that pastor and like other people, I, I hear them say, you know, that evil is not going to get me, not going to come near me. Uh, I'm, in fact, I know people who said that about the coronavirus and, uh, you know, they wound up getting it. Um, so, again, is, is that maybe a flawed part of thinking? Because I, I could easily see people saying that, trying to declare it, but it's actually coming out of a place of fear versus actually um, not getting it or, you know, a, a yeah. place of believing that they're, they're just not going to get it. So let's say I go out in public and I don't wear a mask. I take no precautions whatsoever, even though I have been warned and encouraged by our government to do that. Uh, and deep within me, all the time I'm thinking, am I really going to catch it? That person just coughed. That person sees, is it really going to get on me? So I'm really walking in fear. Right. So Got I cannot say, yeah, I can't say what a person's dealing with on the inside. Yeah. What I can say is I believe that I'm not afraid of this. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't even believe in the coronavirus. Do I believe that people believe in it? Absolutely. But I don't believe in it. And uh, we've kind of held to that position. And, you know, we've stayed safe and we have staff that works here and everything. So, I mean, we're, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I got a lot of questions still, so I'm going to move on to one that I know is very important to a lot of people because I know some of the stuff that you shared in part one, uh, you know, if people didn't kind of follow the, the dots and, okay. you know, to where that would lead to. I know there's a lot of people that are probably asking if this is all about just the way we think and if harmony is more about identity than it is about sin and, and doing things wrong that Jesus had to pay the price for, then why did Jesus come and die? That's going to be a big question for a lot of people. Yeah, and it is. Uh, Dr. K and I have talked about that quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing. Do I believe Jesus had to come and die? First of all, no, because that means that he would have had to been some sort of a substitute, and I would have to believe in penal substitution. But what Jesus came to do is he, he, he and I was just writing about this a while ago, uh, he he manifested from out of the spirit realm as fully spirit, and he became visible to the human awareness. Okay, because everything in this realm is about awareness. It's the senses make me aware of different things, and then how I understand them is is my perception of that and how I will interact with that. But what Jesus did is we think of him coming and going to the cross. We, we missed a really important point uh, is that he went to the place that the Greek says is Golgotha. Uh, the, the Aramaic says is the place of the skull. Now the skull represents, and, and of course there was no skull sitting on top of the hill per se, but there are many paintings and many pictures from around the world, uh, especially from the Eastern part of the world who show the cross and there are as, as skulls buried underneath the cross. Now, yep. that's because this was a place of death. This is a place where they crucified people. But the skull also is an allegory or a metaphor of the mind. And mm -hmm. so what Jesus did is he came as us 
to do something that we didn't have the knowledge of how to do. And what we, when we call this act, we call it reconciliation. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. My translation of that verse is that God was in Christ because they were, they were one and he was reconnecting mankind back to their true identity, their God identity. Now, when a person sins, we, we, I know we, we, people really have a struggle with the word sin, and when we define it from the Greek as mistaken identity, but really the problem is not the definition of the word sin. The, def, the problem is sinning, or uh, yeah, so sinning is the act of what I do because of mistaken identity. So why would a person murder another human being? Well, we can say the person's mentally twisted. They had a bad a childhood experience. They watched a murder when they were uh, growing up. We can say all kinds of things. But really the bottom line is, is they don't know who they are. If they knew God loved them, if that's what they were taught from their youth, they would understand that I don't have to kill anybody else because God loves me and he loves the person that I really had a problem with. So, you know, can we dislike people? It's there. There's some stuff I see that I don't like, but you know what? It's the actions of their own personal mistaken identity. Right. So I pray for them that they would awaken to their true God identity. That's really good. I, I like that, uh, that the sin missing the mark of understanding who they mm-hmm. are causes them to move into sinning, which are the mm-hmm. acts that come from their misunderstood identity. Yeah, that's good. And you know, I was just teaching on that last week, and and actually, that whole thing there in the in the uh, root word actually means missing God's mark. So, and those are the specific words. So, missing God's mark is missing the way God thinks. So, not seeing it's like if we don't see eye to eye, it's probably because because we're missing what the other is intending or saying, right, and right. so we miss God's mark by not understanding His heart. That's good. So. Then, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to the question again, just because I know that for some people, they're going to have other questions, you know, because you said that you didn't believe that Yeshua actually had to come, that he didn't have to die. Uh, And yet we have all the prophecies in Isaiah and all these other places that talk about him coming as the Messiah and dying, and then also that he was slain from the foundation of the earth and and so forth, so, uh, or the world cosmos but um so how do you deal with those in understanding that there was a death involved from the beginning and again i know there's going to be people and you already mentioned that you don't believe in it but there's going to be those people that are going to ask but doesn't he have to pay the price for sin so that i can be set free what i believe is that he came to reconnect our thinking to the father first of all second of all I think there was an act that Christ did that was important, was the blood sacrifice. Now, if we think the blood sacrifice was for sin or the sinning of mankind, then now we see this penal substitution in action. But for me, and I've never heard anybody else say this, so I'm just, I may have heard one person say this, but I'm just going to say it this way, that for the law to come to an end and to be satisfied, there always was a blood sacrifice for sin this was the ultimate blood sacrifice. In other words, this blood sacrifice brought an end to the law. Because you know what Paul talks about? He talks about how the law, he he, he was raised in the law. He was a Jew. He talks about how the law tried to kill him. Well, it's because there was always this demand. You must, you must, you must. And God says, I already did it. Back before the foundation of the world. 
And so I'm coming to, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's a very, very fine line, I think, sometimes when we talk about that there didn't have to be a sacrifice, because I don't look at the blood of Jesus as a sacrifice for my mistaken identity. I look at the blood of Jesus as an end to all sacrifices. Yeah, good, good. Awesome. Okay, well, we need to take a break, and uh, we will be right back after this. Hey there. Thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. All right, so I'm back with Dr. Bill and got a lot more questions here, but I want to focus, Dr. Bill, on the aspect of healing. You even mentioned it before that people still needed healing if, if um, perhaps our minds, and I'm, I'm processing this even as I'm trying to ask the question, but I guess as our minds finally go through a process of dealing with certain things and coming to a, a, an understanding of truth of who we really are and the ability that we have to actually you know, be in control of our circumstances to a large degree and maybe to the full degree if we were walking in the full power of Yeshua. But there's a lot of people out there that just aren't able right now to connect to what you and I are talking about. Mm-hmm. And I can see how they could be extremely frustrated with this whole concept when they're not, you know, when it's just a struggle to take that first step even. Um, what would you have to say to those people who, who need to go through this healing, if we'll call it that? Well, let me, let me address this from a personal uh, level. There, there was at least two phases of my life I can share with, uh, with people about. One is when I used to, if there would be pain, I would bind and cast out and rebuke. And after going through that, you know, uh, whatever the evil thing was, got tired of all of my, my babbling and, and quit. Okay, and I, I try, try to make that a, you know, a little bit humorous. But the other thing is, is today, if there's pain, I would lay hands on myself, and sometimes I don't even lay hands on myself, and I would say, thank you, Father, that I am whole. Now, we have a scripture that says, as he is, so are we in this world. Yeah. I've actually modified that just a little bit, not to try to uh, reinvent the will, but to try to interpret it in a more personal and an a- a- a accurate way, and that is, as he is, I am. Yes. Yes. We know the words I am from the Old Testament that God is the great I am. And so as he is, so am I. Now, I also have added on to that as he is whole, I am whole. Yeah. So here I am. I'm a minister, 48 years in adult ministry. I went through a, a, a terrible experience with a back injury. I was bedfast for three years. I've, I've worn out more back braces than some people see in their lifetime. I have a $1,200 back brace sitting around the corner here in my office. I don't wear it. I haven't worn it for about two and a half years. Uh, but I wear braces on my legs. I had massive nerve damage, massive blood clots. I was in a wheelchair. They, the, the prediction was that I would be a cripple for the rest of my life. 
Now, Anna and I would get worse and worse. Now, I'm not worse. Uh, I have traveled. I have ministered. I've done a lot of things since that time. Today, I so enjoy sitting at my desk in my house at my computer teaching on my broadcasts and in our Bible college, but I still wear braces. Uh, one of those braces is a drop foot brace. That foot has frozen. Both of my feet dropped and turned sideways during this years of being bedfast and the nerve damage occurring. Now, do I desperately need a healing in that right foot? Uh, absolutely. The, the bone is frozen kind of in a downward position. So this drop foot brace helps me not to trip and fall. On my left foot, I have a brace that I'm not wearing currently because it's causing me some difficult, but I have, I have a knee brace on. This knee brace is a, it does three different things, and I'm not going to go through all of that, but, but the last forecast, when I say forecast that they gave me, uh, because it's not the one that I've received, I've told them I will not agree with anything they tell me, I'll just cooperate if I need to. The last forecast was is that my left knee is 100% gone and my right knee is 90% gone and my left foot needs a, an operation that will have to be done in two different phases. So it's a reconstructive foot surgery, really. I haven't decided to do it, but here's the point. So how, how I view healing has to do with how I see myself and how I see myself has to do with how I understand my father. So I revert back to what I said at the beginning of this segment, as he is whole, I am whole. And I see myself, am I 100% uh, uh, convinced of that? I don't think I'm 100% convinced of that, but I think I'm becoming convinced of that. And so the only words out of my mouth are that I am whole as he is whole. And so if I was created in the reflection of my father, now here's where we go wrong, is we see ourselves as spirit, separate from that we see ourselves as soul, separate from that we see ourselves as body. And so Instead, we don't see ourselves as one complete being Come of on, spirit, yeah. soul, yeah. and body. Yeah. And if I see myself as spirit, soul, and body, then one of those parts of me has to be the dominant. The dominant has to be me as spirit that convinces my soul, that convinces my body that I am exactly what God says. That's, that's so good. And I, and I don't know if you're saying this exactly, but I know for myself, I have struggled to honestly find a clear definition of soul in the Bible, period. Okay, so, and I know it's there, I know it's in different words and all that, but when you look at all the different teachings and everything on it, it's like, I honestly don't believe humanity understands what the soul is. And one of the things that I do believe is that our spirit, soul, and body are so much more one than we understand. And Absolutely. we have stopped teaching that there, there's this massive separateness or that there's this hierarchy. If anything, if there's three, they're all equal and needed to be treated as equal, just as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so anyway, that's that's something I can totally agree with. I've I've never really been one to, I've tried to teach on soul in the past, you know, decades ago. But yeah. I'll be honest, and I'm just like I'm just regurgitating what I've heard because I don't have a clearness on understanding it from my heart. I think that's I think it's different than most of the stuff we have out there that we're teaching or being taught. Here's a really good scripture, First uh, Thessalonians 5:23, and this is from the Amplified Bible, and it says, "Now may the peace of uh, now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you through uh, and through that is separate uh, separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and whole and undamaged, concentrate to Him, set apart for His purpose, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept 
complete and be found blameless at the coming or the manifesting of of Christ in your awareness. So you know, God's view is to keep, it's just like when he said to his disciples, I'm not praying, Father, that you get them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil that's around them. So God was never trying to get us out of here, just as he's not really trying to present us as separate entities of spirit, yeah. soul, and body, but as one. Now, there really is an important thing here. You know, Paul defines from the Old Testament, he defines something two or three different times, and he says that, that, that the just shall live by faith. But you know, back in, in Habakkuk, where this originated, Habakkuk 2, uh, 4, he says, behold the proud. Uh, the, the, the proud here is a, a Hebrew word, afel, which means to swell or to get a big head about things. Uh, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Soul is the Greek word or Hebrew word, suke, which is mm -hmm. for our mind, will, intellect, and emotions, just like some other words in the Bible. And so, in other words, my soul's not upright or I'm stooped over, I'm discouraged, I'm down because I'm living by the dictates of what I understand in my natural awareness. But here's the clincher. The just, the just, those that come to know that they are justified, justified never sinned, justified never had mistaken identity, the justified live by his faith. His That's faith. something that Paul taught on, but Paul didn't define there when he repeated this verse. And, you know, I love Galatians 2.20. Paul says, you know what, uh, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And so it's very important that we switch our persuasion from all that I can accomplish by this hard believing versus all that can be accomplished by just trusting in my father. <clears throat> and, and I, and I like that because I believe what you're, what you're getting at is bottom line. We need to stop even trying to rely on our own ability to have faith and simply trust in the faith that Yeshua already brought into existence. And we already have it in him and through him and, He's in us. We're in him. We're mm -hmm. one. Let's let's go by his faith. And I've done that many times. It's just like, you know what? I'm done with my faith. I'm going to just go with Yeshua's faith. His was a whole lot better and it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Dr. Bill, we're we're out of time again. And um, do you have a little bit of time for a behind the scenes? Sure. OK, sure. I want to do sure. that. And, and I, I really want to talk a little bit more about this transition. To me, there's a transition that we're in in getting our. Our, our belief, you know, like you were talking about, you know, you're not accepting what the doctors are telling you. And, and, and I've done that as well. And I think I know that you've had some breakthrough in that area. I know I've had breakthrough in that area to where my belief system has changed things. Uh, you know, even the area of depression, to me, that's the most magnificent thing that I've ever, ever been healed of. Mm -hmm. And it came by faith. And there was, it was just like a switch went off in my brain. And I was able to like see it and move into it. So yeah. I want to talk about that on the behind-the-scenes section. All right. <laughs> so, again, tell us uh, about your Bible college, where they can find you, and all that good stuff, and then we'll wrap it up. If you go to wbsitc.org, that's our website. There's a link about three down that says WBS University. You can click on there. 
there is a uh, information about what the school is doing. There's also, and it probably needs to be updated by now. Uh, there's also a link for the applic student application and an MLE form, which is ministry life experience that we're allowed to give certain amounts of credit for. And so uh, you'll, it'll tell you where to go. You'll contact uh, my wife, who is the managing director. She runs the school and uh, drfay.wbsu at gmail.com. And currently, we're just trying to undo religious education that the Western world has spread around the world so needed. and bring people back to a Christ mind. Amen. I love that. That's, that's what we're doing. So, and I just, there's people all over the world that are doing it now. So I, I am believing that there's going to be a level of freedom over the next few decades that this world's never experienced, or at least not since Christ. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, again, honor you and bless you, Dr. Bill. Thank you so much. If you want to be uh, part of the behind the scenes, again, go to kingdomtalksmedia.com. Go to the partnership section and uh, sign up for the behind the scenes or backstage pass so that you can be part of what's going on behind the scenes. And we'll see yeah. you all there. Blessings. Thank you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life Keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.